Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We're in a uh, series called Summer Psalms, and um, we're going to be going over some of, uh, of the Psalms. And so if you see up there, it says dilemmas and doxologies. It says got 150, and you're like, what's 150? There's 150 chapters in Psalms. Did you know that? Some people did, some people didn't. That's why the 150 is there. Because just I'm just in case you were like, why is that number there? There's 150 Psalms. We are not going to do a 150-week sermon series, though. Okay, we won't do that. Um, but it would be cool. Um, but it says dilemmas and doxologies up there, and that's basically what's going on, if you will, if I could just wrap up that, what happens in many of, of these chapters is there's dilemmas, there's things that are going on, things that are happening, um, and the psalmist, he, he takes and cries out to God. He, he tells like what is happening and, and this thing that's happening to him or happening around him. But then he goes to this moment and doxology is, is a take, taking and giving glory or praising God and worshiping God and speaking of who he is. So that's what a doxology is. So it's saying like, God, there's stuff going on in my life or around me there's all this craziness, but God, I know who you are, and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give you glory in every moment, in everything that is happening. So we're going to go to Psalm 43, and I'm going to read that to you. This one, luckily, is a shorter, uh, shorter chapter. I mean, not luckily, but I'm going to read the whole thing, so it's not going to take quite as long, okay? The long ones are great, too. In verse 1, it says, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my, my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And on the harp I will praise you. Oh, God, my God, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted, disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. So we're going to take and just kind of break this apart, but I want to take a couple of parts of this and, and, and just talk about them a little bit, if you will. And uh, in verse 2 and verse 1, he's talking about what's going on around him and what's going on in him. And he's saying, like, God, vindicate me because there is oppression and there's stuff, this, this evil nation, this stuff that's going on around me, and they are coming against me. There's oppression and all these different things. 
So please vindicate me. So he's talking about what's going on outside. And then he says, For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And it seems like in this verse, he's talking about something that's happening in him. Now, he gives this statement about God, and he says, for you are the God of my strength, right? And you're like, this is going good. He says, you're the God of my strength. But why are you pushing me away? Or why does it feel like, so all of a sudden, now he's talking about something that's going on inside of him, and his soul, in his heart, is not feeling great at this moment. And he's saying, but God, why does it feel like you're pushing me me off? And why am I continuing to, to mourn because of the oppression that's going on around me? I feel like you're far away. I feel like you're not near. And my heart is in mourning. And his heart's divided. And it's interesting. You're like, but wait, like, how does this, see, the, the problem is, is that, <clears throat> it's not necessarily a problem, but the thing is, is that he's going through something that I've, I think that we all go through because we trust God. We know that he is strong. We know that he's good. We know that he's for us. And we can say, God, you're good, or God, you're strong. You're my strength. You're everything that I need. And he's saying that in this, this one verse. But then the next line, he says, but why are you far away from me? And so we have this dilemma here, which is he knows who God is, but he's not feeling it. And he doesn't really know kind of why God is, is feeling far away. So we're going to talk about kind of what happens and what he does to change his perspective and get himself back into a better place. But you see in other places, like in Mark 9, verse 24, you're talking about the psalmist saying, God, you're my strength, but why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like you're far away and why am I still in mourning? That there's this knowing, but also still our soul can be struggling and our heart can be struggling. And in Mark 9, 24, this story is the, there was a boy who was demon-possessed and uh, had been for a long time. And his parents bring him up to Jesus and they bring him up and Jesus, can you please help our son? And he's been demon-possessed. The short story is, Jesus is like, if you just believe, if you just believe, anything can happen. And in verse 24, it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What? He's like, and you have this same thing that's, that's happening here in the Psalms. It's like, Jesus is telling him, just believe that it can happen. Have faith and know that 
that I can do it. Believe that I can bring healing or that I can cast out the demon from this boy and, and, and he will be healed. And the father says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And it's because there's a difference in the understanding and knowing and then the getting your heart and your soul to align with the truth of what the gospel is speaking to us. You say, I know the Bible says this, but the problem is it just doesn't seem like I can get myself to match up to it. And it's not easy. It's not like that just happens. God's good. He's our provider. He's strong. He's going to bring healing in my life. And, and I won't pretend to say that, that God is, if you just believe hard enough, because I've been told that before, by the way. If you had enough faith, you would be healed. No. I am not, because, <laughs> because I, had, I had somebody They wanted to meet with me and they just talked to me about this. And I just got this revelation and, and God's been speaking to me. And, it's, and it all boils down to our faith. And if we just strengthen our faith and have enough faith, anything, we will not get sick and nothing will happen to us. And I said, the problem is, is that you're putting all of everything on yourself. Like you're doing it. How in the world can you think that you just strengthen your faith and you just have this much faith and all of a sudden then God's going to do everything? Because you're like, God, look what I did. Now you got to do it for me. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Of course we're going to believe. Of course we're going to have faith. But I'm going to trust God no matter what the circumstance, no matter what happens. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to glorify him. And yes, he will heal. Yes, he will restore. Yes, he will break free bondages and do all these things. But I am not going to say that somehow if I just do something good enough that he is going to do everything that I need. In Romans 7, 19, it says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Same kind of thing. It's this dilemma, this, this, this like two sides of what's going on in us. And it's like, I, I want, I have this faith, but God, help me to have more faith. God, I believe, but help me to have more belief because we have a sinful nature because we can't actually do it right all the time or really any time. So we have here in this psalm, it's in this moment, this oppression, this thing going on around him and he cries out to God. He says, first of all, he says, vindicate me, God. That's what he does. The first thing he does is cries out to God. Now, I said last week that I think that God loved him so much because he just cried all the time. You know, he was just seems seemingly a blubbering mess before God all the time. And I think, you know, not that God wants us to be all like 
mourning and, and crying on our face all the time. But the point was he was prostrate before God all the time. He, he was before him, close to him, saying, God, I have all this mess and all these problems. I need you. That's the point. So he first cries out, vindicate me, God. Defeat these enemies, God, before me. Just give me victory. But that's not the main thing that happens here and the thing that I want to focus on. Because really anybody can do that. That's really a natural response. Like a physical, mental response. God, vindicate me. Help me to defeat my enemies. But really what happens in the next little bit of, of this chapter is, is the main thing that I want to get here. Because it's not just this physical response and God vindicate me and de destroy my enemies. But he does two other things. And these two other things is that he speaks to God. And then he speaks to his soul. He speaks to his heart himself and encourages himself. In verse 3 and 4 it says, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Oh, send out your light and your truth. See, this first thing, he just cries out to God, Yes, vindicate me. But then he turns from this kind of natural response of, God, just destroy these suckers, you know? He's like, there's these evil people. They're mean. I can't believe they did this to me. Can you just kill them, you know? Just strike them down in this natural response. But then he switches and he says, but God, actually what I need is your light and your truth. Because he realizes that in this darkness that he's feeling, it's not a physical darkness. It's a spiritual darkness. This light that he's asking for is not a physical light, like turning the lights on in a room and all of a sudden you see. But in the same way, it's something that we need in our spirit. Because when stuff's going on and we can't find out the, what attitude or what the right attitude is and we're having this anger or, or self-doubt or pity or mourning or all these different things, there's something that comes on us and it brings this spiritual darkness in us and it tells us to stay there and keep having pity on ourselves or mourning or do it, you know, just like everything sucks. You guys are like, I've never been there. I'm just like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. But in those moments, they, come on. Anybody going to say amen or something around here? Like, he's like, these things are going on, and then you start feeling this thing, and it feels dark. I've, look, we've been through it even recently. Well, there's just stuff happening. And then you're like, God, why, why does it feel like everything bad is happening? And then all of a sudden your mind is like, well, it's because God doesn't really care. Is God actually going to do something good for you? I, you know, again, you guys are very quiet. But 
Thank you. But, but that's what happens. All of a sudden, our brain's like, starts talking to us and telling us these things, things that we did wrong, reasons why God isn't answering, reasons why that you, sh- you don't deserve God to come. So he turns from the outside to the inside, to the spirit, and he says, God, I need your light and your truth. He knows he's spiritually blind to something, that he needs some light to shine in his heart. That's interesting, isn't it? When something's going on around you, that's not usually what we think. Somebody's doing something bad. God, light up my heart, my soul with your truth. Illuminate my heart so that I can see Expose any of those dark places in me. That's not what we usually do. Usually we're like, God, cut them down. God, expose them. God, bring your light to them. I'm good. I'm, you, don't, you don't have to do anything to me. Just do it all to them, you know? Just get them. But he says, I need your truth. Why? Because there was something that wasn't truth that was going on on the inside of him. And I'm not even going to say, even though like he wasn't perfect, I'm not saying that he was doing something wrong. Maybe he was just this, there was stuff that wasn't truth that was rolling around in his brain. It wasn't true and he knew it. He said, God, I need your truth. I need you to light up my heart so I know who you are, and what you want to do. And the second thing he does is he comes to the altar. So in verse 3, oh, send out your light and your truth. But when he says this, oh, send out your light and your truth, he says, let them lead me And let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God. He says, I need the light that God can shine in my heart. I need that truth to expose these lies that might be rolling around in my heart or my, or my mind. I need that truth and that light to expose these things, but not just to expose them, but so that I, it will lead me in to God himself, into the altar, into that place. And do you know what an altar is? Listen, I, I, you guys are like, man, this one's tough. But an altar was something where sacrifice was made. Again, most of the time we say, God, put that evil person on the altar. God, sacrifice them. Cut them down. But he says, I need your light and your truth, God. Just illuminate inside of me who you are, that my heart will know your truth. 
so that it can lead me to your tabernacle where your altar is so that I can be placed on the altar. What? I mean, he didn't say so I can be placed on the altar, but I mean, that's what he, may, what he means. Lead me to the altar because your light and your truth is going to expose the things, the unbelief, the lack of faith, the, the lack of trust in you or anything that I've done that is keeping me from you. That's going to expose that, and it, then it's going to lead me to the altar where I can place myself on the altar and lay those things down before you. So he says, lead me to the altar. And then in verse 4, it says, then I will go to the altar of God, to God. My exceeding joy. The next thing that happens is, he says, when that light and that truth exposes and illuminates my heart, it'll bring me into your presence, into your tabernacle, to the altar, so that anything that is not clean in me can be laid down before you. And then I will experience Joy. No, he doesn't just say joy. He says exceeding joy. So the third thing is that he starts experiencing and understanding and receiving the joy that God gives. Anybody getting this? Bring your light and your truth. that draws me into your sanctuary, to that altar, so that I can lay down before you, lay down myself before you, and then experience the joy that only you can give. And then in verse 4, he says, after I so that I can experience your exceeding joy. It says, and on the harp, I will praise you, oh my God. So the fourth thing is, is that not only does he want to come into the sanctuary of God to be in his presence, not only is he, like, if you will with me, just think about this. The stuff's going on around him, but he's, he has no thought in his mind about the stuff that's going on anymore. And I think that's the point of this whole thing that I'm seeing here that, that I think that we should see here, is that too many times we focus on the thing that's happening and not the one that can fix it. We're focus, focusing on the mess and the struggle and the evil and what's going on. And so we're so wrapped up in all this stuff. And that's going on in our mind. And we give little effort to focusing on God, who is the one who created heavens and the earth, the one who created us, the one who formed us. We give little time to Him, the one that can change all these circumstances. 
So as I'm reading this scripture, I'm thinking like, he, he just like, for a split second was thinking about the oppression. And then all of a sudden he's like, but what does that matter? All that I need is to come into the presence of God for his light to shine on me, to lay down before him and experience the joy that he can give. But then once that happens, he's like, at that moment, he's just saying it, and he's like, but then I'm going to have to shout. That's an old church thing. Some of you guys may know about that. <laughs> you know, preachers start preaching good, and the person get up, I'm not going to do it. I don't think I even can do it. Grandma, <laughs> you, you can do it. You, you'll do it. Just, just come on. Show them how you shout. Do it. I'm serious. Woo. They get up. They shout. They even do a little like, I see, I can't do it. You know, their feet start moving. You know, it's like a little jig, a little something going on. And it means, and you think about that. When that happens, when it really happens, if somebody's like, I can't sit down anymore, it's not because they're oppressed, it's because they're experiencing joy, the exceeding joy of God, who he is, because, because he's there with him, with them. That's why you get up and shout. It's not because something's wrong. It's because something's good. He says, and on the harp, I will praise you. I don't have a harp, and I don't know how to play one. But just whatever, you know? It's like there's going to be a song coming out of my mouth. There's going to be something happening. Because now, I mean, once a long time ago, I was thinking about this oppression. But right now, all I've got is your joy, and I'm in your presence. And I'm experiencing who you are. And I can't help but praise you. I can't help but sing of who you are. It's like, man. He's like, I will praise you, oh God, my God. I'll praise you. I, I won't be able to help, but the song will just be coming out of my mouth. And then in verse 5, he says, why are you, so, <laughs> why are you cast down, oh my soul? So it's interesting, and I, I don't know exactly how to take this. If he still is cast down, or he's just speaking to himself. But one thing I know is that he is self-talking, and not in that like self-help kind of way. He is speaking to his spirit, to his soul, saying, soul, don't you be downcast. He says, why are you downcast? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Why are you doing that? So I'm not, I think I've said this before. I'm not like a self-talk person. I don't get up in the morning and like talk to myself in the mirror. But we need to sometimes talk to ourselves and say, hey self, hey soul, hey spirit, don't you dare get downcast. 
Don't you dare be sad or mourn. You aren't oppressed. You're covered by God. You aren't struggling. It doesn't matter what it feels like on the outside because the outside doesn't matter. Again, like I was saying before, it doesn't matter what's happening in my physical body. What matters really is what's happening in my spirit, my soul, in your spirit, your soul. I don't care. Put my body in the ground. I'll go to see Jesus. That's fine. Right? To live. I don't know if you guys, many of you know this. My son, tell this story because he's here. He, uh, he called me last year when he was at school, and he's like, Dad, I want to get a tattoo. And I'm like, no. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just going to go get one. I'm like, no. And he goes, what about if when I'm home for Thanksgiving, we both go get one? I'm like, yeah, there you go. We can do that. <laughs> it's like he knows. He knows how to get me. But, like, whenever he was... He was like, okay, what are we going to get? He's like, I want to get this scripture. I was like, but what we got, we both got the same thing. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what that scripture tells me? It, don't, it doesn't matter what happens to this body. That does not matter. Because when I live, to live is Christ. That means I'll probably go through some kind of suffering. Maybe a lot. Christ went through suffering. How could I possibly think that I wouldn't go through what Christ went through? There's an awesome quote by C.S. Lewis, and I won't remember it now. But he kind of basically says, how dare we think that we're better than Christ? But what happens is body doesn't matter. So he says, why are you cast out on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Why are you doing that? Soul, don't be downcast. Don't do that. Experience joy. Hope in God, it says. For I shall yet praise him. No matter what, I will still praise him. It might be tomorrow, it might be today, it might be next week, I don't know when it'll be, but I'm going to praise him, and it should be every day. I will praise him because he's the help of my countenance and my God, because he is everything that I need. He is my help, and he's my God. He's my Savior. He's the only thing that I need. Will you stand with me? And as you stand, I just, who is talking to you? Who are you listening to? Because the problem is, is there's always people outside of our own head that are talking to us. 
Sometimes it's good stuff. Lots of times it's bad stuff or, you know, negative or down or discouraging. But then when you come into yourself and still you have, that's the problem. It's when you wake up in the morning and there's nobody around, still there's somebody that's talking negative to you. The problem is this time it's yourself. And you got all these things rolling around your head and saying like, man, this is not going good or I don't really even want to get up today because yesterday was so bad. I I don't even know if I want to continue on. Like all these things that happen in our lives and, and, and then it gets us to be our own worst enemy. And I believe that's why you have in here when in this psalm where he's saying, listen, soul. Saying, listen, I, I don't care what my head is thinking. I don't care what that thought is or what it just said of, of like, you don't deserve it or, or God is not going to come help you or he doesn't care about you or whatever. Or why? See, he even said, why are you so far away? God, why does it feel like you're so far away? And many times that's the thing. Like, I don't even feel like God is close enough to even know what's going on in my life, which is a lie, which is a lie. But we need to stop listening to this stuff, whether it's outside or whether it's ourselves. And do a little self-talk. Say, don't be downcast, oh my soul. Because your joy, your joy comes from God. It doesn't come from anything else. Your joy comes from the Lord, right? Your joy is from Him, so it doesn't matter what's going on. So you have the joy because you have Him. When you ask Him to be a part of your life, you have that joy. And he's your help. So stop listening to this stuff and start telling yourself how good God is. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.